our series through Hebrews 11. This morning we are Hebrews chapter 11 and verses 23 to 28 and beginning to think about Moses and the faith of Moses. Hebrews 11, um, reading from verse 23. By faith Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents, because they saw that the child was beautiful, and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkled blood, so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. Let's pause again and pray and ask for God's help as we consider his word this morning. Our Father, we're so thankful again to be around your words, and we're thankful again to have this opportunity to think what it means to live by faith in the Lord Jesus. And so we ask that as we come to your word again, that your spirit would work, um, drawing us to Christ, helping us to see again his great work, and in turn to continue living by faith, in him. Father, give us perspective this morning. Give us an eternal perspective on all our lives, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Well, as I've mentioned to you the, the past couple of weeks, it's been great to be involved in community outreach over three Thursday evenings. We've been able to, to knock some doors and get chatting to people um, close to us here. We had, um, if you were there, you'll know we had some booklets to give out, uh, and the cover of those little booklets was, If You Could Ask God One Thing. And the booklet explains the, the Bible story of the Pharisee and the tax collector, and the point is that if you could ask God one for one thing, the best thing you can ask God for is mercy. These were a great tool, and we tried to begin conversation by asking folk, well, if you could ask God one question, what would that be? This did lead to some good conversation, and we, we have some that we want to follow up with also. Now, I don't know about you, but for me, doing this felt like it took quite a lot of courage. Number one, simply to go out. Number two, to knock the door. And number three, to begin 
conversation. For two of the three weeks, we we split up, um, some doing a leaflet drop for Holiday Bible Club. So when we were doing that, we weren't knocking doors. We're simply trying to get as many leaflets through doors as possible, while the other group continued um, to knock doors and engage in conversation. And if I'm honest, the leaflet drop was, was pulling me, because it was much easier to do. I didn't feel like it took a lot of courage. You see, we need courage to live the Christian faith. To put Christ first and to make him known. And we see today from Hebrews that courage comes by faith. And we're given the example of Moses and his parents. So let's begin with his parents. Look again at verse 23. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. If you turn back to Exodus 1 and 2, we see the situation here. God's people had been living in peace in Egypt um, as, as Joseph had risen to power and, and protected God's people. But we see that after Joseph died and all that generation, God's people continued to grow and increase. Egypt was full of God's people. But in Exodus chapter 1 verse 8, we read that there arose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph. And he said to his people, Behold, the people of Israel are too many and mighty for us. So the Pharaoh began to feel very threatened by God's people. So he said, Let us deal shrewdly with them. We'll afflict them with heavy burdens. And so God's people became oppressed. But, they still continued to grow in number. And so the Egyptians increased the oppression. We read they were ruthless with God's people. They made them slaves, and God's people became miserable. Well, the king of Egypt came up with a new plan. He commanded the Hebrew midwives to kill newborn babies if they were a son. But the midwives, they feared God, and so they let the children live. And so God's people continued again to grow and become strong. So Pharaoh then commanded his people, his own people, he said, Every son that is born to the Hebrews you shall cast into the Nile, but let every daughter live. So that's the situation that that we're finding here. And in Exodus 2 then, we come to the birth of Moses. Now when Moses was born, we're told his mother hid him for three months because he was a fine child. Now this took a lot of courage. Because by hiding the child and ignoring the king's command, both parents could have been executed. 
So why would they risk their lives? Well, Hebrews tells us because the boy was beautiful. Now, it wasn't simply that Moses was a cuter baby than other babies. He had more potential to be a heartbreaker. Well, I don't think so. Stephen, in his speech seven, he said that Moses was beautiful in God's sight. He was beautiful to God. Some say that God had favor upon him. Or God had special purpose for his life. And so when we read that Moses' parents hid him because he was fine or beautiful, it seems they perceived by fear that God had a special role for Moses. They perceived somehow that Moses would play a special role in the salvation of the Israelites in Egypt. By faith, Moses' parents risked their lives by disobeying the king to further God's salvation. That was important to the original audience that these words in Hebrews were written to. It's important they would hear this and, and take this on board. And what a challenge this would bring to them. As they themselves were under threat, facing persecution from the authorities, the writer here encourages them, do not fear, but obey God rather than man. As the writer says in, in Hebrews 10, 35, he says, keep your confidence. And today, we too need courage by faith to disobey in order to further God's salvation. There are many examples through Scripture. We saw the courage of the Hebrew midwives. The example the writer here gives us, of course, is Moses' parents. We could think of Daniel, who continued to pray to God, refusing to pray to the king. We think of Peter in Acts 4, who was told by the authorities to speak no more about Jesus. And what was Peter and John's response? We read in Acts 4, 19. This is what they say. They say, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of the things we have seen and heard. And when they were released, they joined their friends, other believers, and what did they do? They prayed that God would grant them boldness, courage, to continue speaking the word. John Stott is helpful to us here as, as we strive to draw out the principle that I believe is given to us. Listen to what M. Stott says. He says, if the state commands what God forbids, 
or forbids what God commands, then our plain Christian duty is to resist, not to submit, to disobey the state in order to obey God. I think we've got to take this principle and apply it to ourselves and our own context. I think wherever we are under the authority of others, in the home, in the church, in the workplace, in our country, does obedience to the authority involve immorality or perhaps abuse of power or idolatry of some sort or silencing the gospel? If so, we obey God rather than man to further his salvation. So may we pray for courage to do this. Now let's move on to Moses' faith, um, thinking firstly verses 24 to 26. By faith, Moses when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. Now we go back to Exodus 2 again. We saw that Moses' parents hid him for three months. And when his mother could have him no longer, she placed him in a basket and put him among the reeds by the river bank. And who came and found him but the daughter of Pharaoh, who went on to adopt him as her own. And so Moses was raised as a prince. He was raised in wealth and luxury. And receiving the best possible education with all the power and protection of Pharaoh. Moses had all he could ever want. He had everything the world had to offer him. But yet things changed for him. Because when he was 40... We, we read in Exodus that it came into his heart to visit his brothers, the, the Hebrew people, God's people. So it seems he was, he, he was always conscious that they were, in fact, his own people. That he didn't somehow belong as a prince in Egypt. Perhaps there was always a, a discontentment in him, even with having everything. And we're told in Exodus 2 that that Moses saw the burden of of his people. And one day he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew and Moses struck the Egyptian down. So we see how much it was within him, how much he identified with his own people. Slaves. And we we read he stood with God's people. He even chose to be missed treated. Now the question is, why would one so privileged choose to be identified with ones so 
oppressed? And the answer is given to us in Hebrews 11, verse 26. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. Now, Moses did not know Jesus Christ as we know him, his life, death, and resurrection on earth. Christ means the the chosen, and, and perhaps for Moses, by faith, he was looking forward to the one God would send to rule and rescue his people. He was looking to his reward. That is his eternal reward from God. And this reward contrasts with the fleeting, temporary pleasures of Egypt. Reading this made me think of the testimony of um, Gavin Peacock. Gavin Peacock was a professional uh, football player. He first signed with QPR when he was 17 and went on to play for Newcastle and Chelsea. He had, um, from a very young age, increasing wealth. He had growing fame. He had an outstanding career. But somehow he wasn't content. He wasn't happy. When you read about his testimony, we see that that he decided one Sunday evening to go to a local church. Now, he didn't have a Christian family. He said that God had no bearing on his life. He wasn't interested in the Bible, but yet something within him made him think, I'll go to a church service. And after the service, the minister invited him to a youth meeting at his house. And Gavin writes this about about going to that house. He says, I walked into his front room, having everything the world says will make you happy. I saw half a dozen people my age who had none of that. But when I heard them speaking about Jesus and praying, and when I saw the joy and reality in their lives, I realized they had something I did. And then in time, through hearing the Bible taught, he put his trust in Jesus. Now, after playing, he went on to be a pundit and a commentator, which actually made him more famous than even when he was playing. But he left all of that to become a pastor. And in an interview, he was once asked, um, what would you like as an epitaph on your tombstone? And this is what he says. He replies, football is great, but Jesus is greater. You see, all that Moses had in Egypt was great. But Jesus is greater. Even being mistreated for his sake is greater. If you think of the famous missionary C.T. Studd, another talented sportsman, who was captain of the Cambridge University cricket team, and other England cricket teams, again was on his way to great fame and a great career. But to him, Jesus was greater. He gave that up to become a missionary to China, India, and 
Africa. He famously said, if Jesus Christ be God and died for me, then no sacrifice can be too great for me to make for him. Like you may think of the original audience of the Hebrews receiving these words. Those tempted to turn away because of the reproach of Christ. They needed to hear again and again that Jesus Christ is greater than any pleasure and comfort in this world. They needed to weigh up what is temporary and what is permanent. And they needed to hold on to eternal salvation that they have, Hebrews 5, 9. They needed to hold on to their eternal redemption, Hebrews 9, 12. They needed to keep looking forward to their eternal inheritance, Hebrews 9, 15. They needed to hold on to God's eternal covenant, Hebrews 13, 20. And today the challenge comes to us. Will we deny ourselves by faith that Jesus Christ is greater? Now I do want to say not every pleasure is sin. Not every gleaming career is wrong. Not at all. In fact, in 1 Timothy, Paul warns us against denying ourselves of pleasures that God gave us to be received with thanks and to enjoy. But one writer outlines the principle for us. He says, partaking of good things in this world is sin when we must reject God and his people to do so. Will you deny yourself pleasure, comfort, security to further God's kingdom by faith that your eternal reward in Christ is greater than anything you could hold on to here and now? Even as we battle sin day and daily, we can be so short-sighted, can't we? We look to the momentary pleasure and satisfaction that sin brings, placing greater work on that than the eternal pleasure and satisfaction that we have in Christ. Day and daily, may we, by faith, deny ourselves of the pleasures of sin, counting Christ as greater. And perhaps for those not trusting in Christ, I wonder, are there temporary pleasures that are holding you back somehow? So I was speaking to someone on our first Thursday evening. We said she may think about religion when she is older, saying it was for older people, which I wasn't too pleased about. Um, but I think the point she was making was that there's, there's too much to enjoy here and now. Do not make this mistake. Do not make decisions that that are too short-sighted. Make decisions that will give you 
enjoyment and pleasure for all eternity. We move on. Hebrews eleven twenty seven. Look at it with me. By faith, Moses left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured seeing him who is invisible. This is interesting because if you read Exodus 2, Moses was actually, we see that Moses was afraid, afraid of the Hebrews as they had saw him killing the Egyptians. And then we're told that Pharaoh, when he heard of it, sought to kill Moses. But we're told that Moses fled from Pharaoh and stayed in the land of Midian. And so it's this courage that the writer of Hebrews draws attention to. It seems that rather than, than go back to Pharaoh and perhaps plead with him and appease him and, and just fit in again in Egypt, Moses leaves under a death threat to face an uncertain future, but by faith he endured in Midian for 40 years. And Moses was able to do this because he saw him who is invisible. Moses was able to overcome fear of Pharaoh with fear of God. Trusting it was right to obey God, trusting that God was in fact working his good purposes out in all circumstances. And again, these people receiving these words for the first time They had much to fear. Pressure from Jewish community. Persecution from the authorities. They could take encouragement from Moses' faith, not to fear what man do to them, but to continue to trust God. Trusting it is right to obey him, and trusting that God is in fact working his good purposes in their current circumstances. We think of David from Psalm 56. And the context there, his life was under threat day and daily. Listen to what David says in Psalm 56. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. In God, whose word I praise. In God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can flesh to me. He says, this I know that God is for me. And he repeats, in God whose word I praise, in the Lord whose word I praise, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can man do to me? For you have delivered my soul from death. Yes, my feet from falling that I may walk before God in the light of life. See, fear can often hold us back from stepping out into the unknown. I mentioned my fear around door to door. What will people say? What will they think of me? Will they be angry? Such a wish, aren't they? 
why would I fear what people say to me when I know him who is invisible? When I'm trusting God who has delivered my soul from death? Don't be afraid to step into the unknown. Whether that's something simple like I have just described or whether that is a bigger, more radical life change. Finally, look at verse 28 with me. By faith, Moses kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn did not touch them. Now, you can read all the details of this in Exodus 12. And by this time, of course, it was clear the purpose that God had for Moses, and that purpose was to lead his people out of Egypt. Exodus 12 is the final plague that God would use to show his power over Pharaoh. And for the final plague, God would pass through the land of Egypt and bring his judgment, striking all the firstborn in the land of Egypt. But God were to take a lamb, they were to sacrifice it, and then put its blood on the doorposts of their house. And God said, when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and no plague will befall you. My judgment will not come upon you. And so by faith, Moses took God at his word, believed that God would come in judgment, and also believed that God had provided a means of escape, that there was a means of rescue. And it happened just as God said. At midnight, the Lord struck down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, but all God's people were saved. And of course, the same is true today. God has said he will come in judgment. But he has provided a means of salvation. And the means of salvation is not the blood of animals because as the writer of the Hebrew says, it is impossible for the blood of animals to take away sins. But God has provided salvation through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, the perfect lamb who was sacrificed on the cross, taking God's judgment at our sin. And again, I plead with you, if you have never put your faith in Jesus Christ, put your faith in him today. Believe God's word that you can, in fact, escape his judgment to know forgiveness of sins and be brought to an eternity in heaven. And for those of us trusting in Jesus Christ, we can rest no matter what comes. We can take courage in every challenge and every temptation, knowing our sins are forgiven. We have eternal peace with God. We are safe, secure.
and remains static because of Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Our Father, we're so thankful for your word to our hearts again this morning. We pray that you will indeed help us to see great worth that there is in Christ, the treasure that we have in him. That you'll help us to see clearly in our own lives and those areas where we can be so short-sighted falling into temporary pleasures or satisfaction and not realizing the eternal joy and pleasure and satisfaction that we have in Christ. Father, as we continue to fight sin day and daily, keep us focused on Christ. Father, we pray that you would help us to discern those matters as we live under the authority in different areas will help us discern what it means to obey God rather than man, that we might further your salvation, that you might do your kingdom work through us in our various contexts. Father, we pray that you will give us courage to continue living for you, courage to make decisions day and daily that honor you that are for your kingdom purposes whether that's in little things or whether it's bigger life decisions Father we thank you as we will remember just now that by faith in the Lord Jesus we are safe and secure forever free from your judgment and so as we come around your table just now we pray that you will draw us again to Christ in his name we pray